This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. And then, so she had two albums there. They're okay. There was nothing special. But then she had Control, the Control album. That's when she exploded. And that's when everyone, I think the world went, whoa, we weren't paying attention to Janet. Look what she's got going on. And it was just, I loved her dancing. You know, again, it was, the music wasn't the first thing. I, I grew to love her, but I loved the dancing of how choreographed the videos were and how fun they were. And it was like, I was always way too shy to be a performer myself, but I was secretly in my bedroom studying the music videos for Nasty and the dance moves. And I was learning every dance move. So I loved the music for her dancing as well. And so that was Control. That was Rhythm Nation. Those two albums and all those videos I loved. And I can take the journey through every album phase and where I was and what I was into and but actually seeing her in concert didn't come till later Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, but we are taking a little trip to Rhythm Nation. Joining me today is my new friend, Diane Foy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I love the whole concept of your podcast. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. One of the things I have been really blessed lately is I've had guests who are like yourselves, either do other podcasts or motivational speakers or have a whole business clients and and things about helping people reach new goals and business, their personal lives and all these things. And, And I think that's great. But I hope you're going to feel at the end, they often tell me, that was so great. I just got to talk about blank for a change yeah. of pace, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this ties into like why I do what I do. I work with artists. I work mm-hmm. with musicians and actors and performers and artists. And the whole reason is because it's vital. Artists change lives with their talent. And we're all as fans the benefits of it, but it is important. That is why I do what I do. And I work with artists on their personal branding and marketing, but it's really about the personal growth development, figuring out what you really want and why you want it. And having that why, it's that driving force so that you won't quit because we need your music. We need your art. And so I just always love and appreciate, even if someone is a super fan of someone I don't care who it is I just love that someone made that impact on you and I do have friends that are Bruce super fans so I get it from them and I'm just like on the opposite side of who I love and appreciate and I I will say I for longest time I love Bruce and but I don't know if I really got it until that movie I love that movie of the Pakistan kid. Do you see that movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Blinded by the Light. Yeah. That made me understand. I'm like, I saw the movie and went, okay, I get it now. I had to tell my Bruce fans. I'm like, I I get it now. I get it. (laughs) I'm glad you said that. And I had not planned for us to get on a Bruce tangent, but that's always a good thing when you have a set lessing Bruce podcast, right? Of course. But I think that movie did a great job of not only showing 
why people love Bruce's music, why he speaks to them, right? Mm -hmm. This teenage young man in England with a Pakistani background thinks that this middle-aged white guy from New Jersey is speaking for him. Yeah. And that scene when his father says, no, I think he is Pakistani, right? (laughs) Because... Uh, I just love that. And it's the themes. It is. And it's relatable. And my wife went and saw it with me and she loved it too. But she said it also does a good job of showing how, especially new fans, we almost go to the extreme, right? There's no moderation in that. There Mm -hmm. is that you. Just and you're an evan- you're evangelist going, why isn't everyone seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah. And and then you come back and you still are just as passionate, but you understand a little bit different. Yeah, the movie it, like it breaks down the lyrics. If you I'm a distant fan of Bruce. Right. Here I hear his music, I like it. I've but I guess I'm one of the people that didn't really sit down and listen. to the lyrics read the lyrics and then relate to them and have that oh my god he's reading my mind moment so that's what that movie did was it made you listen to the songs for the first time if you're not a super fan and you go oh yeah and just love how it does transcend countries languages cultures Yeah. You get it. You get it. I was lucky enough to have the director on the podcast. Oh, Oh, it was such a joy. I I had a friend said, yeah, let's just forget talking Bruce. Let's just talk about how Bennett to Beckham should have been a lesbian love story. Let's just talk about, you know, (laughs) that, that. But we had a wonderful time talking to her and, and she, she was so happy that Bruce was happy with the movie. I, the other thing I, Diane, I love that you mentioned is music, and and when people ask me, why do you do a podcast about Bruce Springsteen? And I always like to say, I I talk to other fans. I said, predominantly Bruce Springsteen, but I go to other fans because I think every everybody has a story about how music has gotten them through a tough divorce, a loss of a loved one a breakup help them celebrate happiness to celebrate marriages maybe celebrate divorces depending on the circumstances music is the companion to our lives and i think getting people a chance to tell that stories is something that i love doing and luckily knock on wood my audience enjoys hearing the stories yeah yeah The the people that you're super fans of, you do are with them for years, decades. You are. Your whole life is along with them a lot of the times. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start at the beginning. Talk about where did you grow up and what kind of music did you listen to when you were a youngster? I grew up in New Westminster, BC. It's just outside of Vancouver in Canada. And my mom was... Country music was country music and Elvis was the music, the soundtrack of my early childhood. So, yeah, a lot of Dolly Parton, William Jennings, <laughs> Johnny Cash, and Barbara Mandrell, and then always Elvis and Elvis movies. And so it was the 70s. And then I'm trying to think of some of the first artists that I gravitated to, probably the Osmonds, Tron Cassidy, and so I am 64, so I graduated high school in 77. So I did have me a boy crush on Donny Osmond. Yeah. I thought Donny Osmond <laughs> was one of the coolest guys ever. He got to be on stage singing with his brothers. He got to travel all over. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. The Donny Marie show. Oh, yes. The best. Yeah. Did, did you rebel against your mom's country when you were hitting teenage years i don't know if i really rebelled because she was a music lover so any new music that i got into she enjoyed as well 
until maybe later, like she doesn't like rap or like mm-hmm. hip hop or like hard, like heavy rock. But all the like in the eighties, teenage years, it's like pop music. Um, she enjoyed all that too. Um, mm-hmm. And I also find the late eighties, I didn't think music was that great. So I went even deeper into like fifties and sixties rock and okay. all that, but definitely the early eighties, it was all about Michael Jackson. And that was my early teen obsession is Michael Jackson, all the Jacksons and all the typical eighties pop stars I was into. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah, and when you sent me the email, you said that Janet Jackson... remains pretty consistent as someone who's your favorite artist yeah and uh, so I wanted to know can you remember the first time you heard her music and when did it become this is more than just another artist and can you articulate why you felt that way I feel like my love of her has grown okay because i say michael jackson was my obsession and my first introduction to that whole family mm-hmm. so it was all about michael and michael was so famous that of course all the brothers and sisters had to put up albums too but my first i realized later janet was my first person first exposure to a Jackson because she was an actress. Mm-hmm. So I, now I look back and go, wow, I was really young to remember this, but her big scene on good times where she was an abused child and the fear and like her big acting moment, like that traumatized me. Sure. You know? So I remember that watching that episode and her acting and that it was she was like eight years old I must have been like six and I remember that so I was more watching her as an actress on good times then she was on different strokes and then later fame and her first couple albums 
I didn't really get into because they weren't that good at the time. It was more, it was all the Jacksons putting out music because to the father had to get everyone in because yeah, it's a family oh, yes. business. So you're going to be a singer too. You're going to be singer. I probably did buy a couple. I bought a Latoya Jackson album. And it, I, looking back, I go, yeah, when I had the choice, I bought Latoya's album, not Janet's. And so her music was just, okay, I paid attention because she was a Jackson, but whatever. And then, so she had two albums there. They're okay. There was nothing special. But then she had Control, the Control album. That's when she exploded. And that's when everyone, I think the world went, whoa, we weren't paying attention to Janet. Look what she's got going on. And it was just, I loved her dancing. Yeah, again, it was the music wasn't the first thing. I, I grew to love her, but I loved the dancing of how choreographed the videos were and how fun they were. And it was like, I was always way too shy to be a performer myself, but I was secretly in my bedroom studying the music videos for Nasty and the dance moves. And I was learning every dance move. So I loved the music for her dancing as well. And so that was Control, that was Rhythm Nation, those two albums and all those videos I loved. And I can take the journey through every album phase and where I was and what I was into. And, but actually seeing her in concert didn't come till later. I just didn't go see her in concert when mm -hmm. she probably came for the Janet album. Then I lived in Toronto when All For You tour. I was more into rock music at that time. So I went to, my money went to Aerosmith instead okay. of, I do remember that moment. I was like, okay, should I go to Janet or should I go to Aerosmith? I'm like, I really want to go see Aerosmith. So I, that's where sure. I went. So I didn't see Janet in concert till like 2008. Mm -hmm. And that was the Rock With You tour. But I just always loved and appreciated her all along but maybe that's when the obsession started <laughs> yeah yeah so do you think because you specifically mentioned those breakout albums where she became more than just michael's sister yeah and one of the sisters and i think one i think and I'm going to sound like an old guy, but I don't think you can overstate those of us who are watching MTV at that time, how powerful those videos were. Yeah, It was a visual medium as much as it was an audio vision and yeah. media. And also you got the feeling, and I know nothing about this, I've done no research, but it's it was her going all right, I want to make my own statement. I want to go my own path. And I think it showed in how creative it was and how good it was and how successful she was. Don't you think? Yeah. And like she even says, like those first two albums, she had no say in it. She just showed up and did the vocals. Right. She had no say in what song she would do. And so yeah. it didn't speak to who she was as an artist. And so... I almost, now that I know her views of what was happening at different times, I relate to her even more mm -hmm. because she, when she talks about her childhood, she felt ugly. She didn't, she was the way too shy girl, but yeah. it was Latoya that was so pretty and talented. And, but, and I feel, oh, I fell, fell for that too. I bought the, the toy album. Sure. I just miss Janet. But then meanwhile, I'm more like Janet in that shyness, quiet when I was young. But then at some point you want to burst out and go, I do have value. I do have something. And it takes you a while when you're like an introvert and you're shy and different reasons why she was in the background. But then with that album, she took control. She's, you know what? I'm tired of being the behind the scenes girl. And it's interesting that I just went to see Janet and she had a coffee table book 
and it takes you through she calls it like metamorphosis like she she even titles the chapters and introduces them as innocent to being seen like being in the spotlight then being so shy because she was like burst into the spotlight when she had to join her brothers on tv but then all of a sudden the attention was like whoa too much attention <laughs> retreating and then just doing what people want her to do and then taking control and then she talks about like how each album how each phase was a different phase of her life and I look at it the same way I look at her and my own life through different albums of hers and phases of hers and what was she going through and I think about what was I going through in each of those phases oh I can't hear you you mentioned oh. you went to see her the furthest time I always think the amount of times you've seen someone live is not necessarily a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, right? There are people that, because of circumstances, have never seen an artist perform. Yeah. There's others, because of their where they were born and where they lived, have had the opportunity to see them hundreds of times. Yeah. So how many times have you seen Janet perform? Five. Okay. <laughs> Now, so I just recently went through, I went through a phase where in high school, like most young guys, I loved Kiss, right? Yeah. And a couple of years ago, they were coming here to Dallas and a bunch of my buddies said, do we want to make a guy's trip out of it? Do we want to go see Kiss? Yeah. I'm like, in, I'm in. And, and it was everything that 16-year-old Jesse would have wanted. Yeah. They did the songs I wanted to hear. It was loud. There was fireworks. There was flames going off. And and I was just, I was the, my internal little teenager was happy. How about you sitting there in your seat ready to watch her? Were you getting shades of that early fandom? Yeah. And also what's cool about her, especially this last tour, She's singing songs that she's never performed live. Oh, like really? She, she sings like al rare album tracks from an mm -hmm. album 15 years ago. <laughs> and so I think that's really cool. And then also some hits that there, some of them weren't even necessarily my favorite. I think we could have skipped those songs and gotten some other songs. Mm -hmm. But I think it's cool that she still does those other songs that were hits. And maybe she guest vocals on another yeah. person's song and she does mm -hmm. those songs. And that's pretty cool. And also the very first time I saw her, she actually took, I don't know how they did it. I guess fan club something. They asked, what mm -hmm. songs do you want us to do? Okay. And she got so many requests for songs off those first two albums. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she's, you wanted this. This is for my old school fans. And she actually sang those songs, like two or three songs from those first two albums. And so she gives the people what she wants. And it's not just a greatest hits show. Mm -hmm. So I'm not guaranteed to hear every single hit she's had, which makes you go, oh. But then she has so many hits how could she possibly it's a two-hour show and pretty much it's all melody mixing songs together because you can't do full songs of everything when you have that many it's it is interesting the because we're seeing a little bit of that in bruce fandom right now is he's touring after a long delay and and he's he, for the first time in his career, really, he's doing a pretty static set list. Historically, right. he's had areas where Tunnel of Love, they didn't change a lot. But normally, he's been someone who 50 to 60% of the songs are the same every night, and the other 40% he rolls around. And yeah. this time, it's been pretty static. And there's a little bit of whining and complaining, especially if you bought <laughs> tickets to multiple shows. I'm in the camp because by nature, I'm 
always on the positive side. Look, I'm getting to hear him sing live. I'm happy. Exactly. But you run into the issue of, okay, what song do you want him or her to drop? Mm-hmm. And none of us will agree with that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I had someone once tell me, Jesse, I've just heard Born to Run so many times live. I'm good if we don't hear it live again. Yeah. And I said, I hear you. I said, but I want you to stop for a minute. There's a 25-year-old that's never seen Bruce live. Yeah. And they're going to walk into that arena and they're going to walk out and he didn't do Born to Run. How are they going to feel? Yeah. And she went, I'm never going to complain again. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And so I think that's wonderful. Um, I think, do you think her growth as an artist and your growth in your career, is that one of the reasons why you think she's meant so much to you? That Do you think there's a synergy? Yeah. Yeah. And -hmm. sometimes I look on the outside, you're like, how on earth am I relating to Janet Jackson? Like we're Mm -hmm. completely different lives, but it's just how she felt about the experiences and maybe her personality is a bit more like me. And so I relate to that and I relate to, yeah, mostly it's I getting to know her a bit more and her views and, and through her lyrics, she may not talk a lot, but she talks through her music and then, yeah. And how I see different phases of her life. I think because we're also like, she's a little older than me, but not a huge amount. So it's almost like I've grown up with her, mm-hmm. especially since I saw her first on television at five, six years old and was traumatized. Yeah. But, you know, so, so she really has been part of my life and the obsession just seems to have gotten now late in the last year or so i've discovered the janet jackson fan clubs on facebook okay and how you're talking about bruce fans janet fans are scary like (laughs) some of them and i'm like i'm in the camp of just love just be happy that you get to see her like you can't some of them will complain that she doesn't dance the way she did well can you dance the way you did (laughs) 20 (laughs) she's still doing the choreography she's still out there right performing for us she's doing rare songs that you've never heard her do live before and she's doing all this and we just love every moment of it but there are those people that will complain about it and yeah they get scary (laughs) yeah and it's a small percentage but it can be a they're the loud ones yes they are (laughs) what Are there songs or albums that have a special place for you that you go back to when you're needing some some kind of emotional support or emotional jolt, say? Yeah. All of her albums have a journey and also a theme to them. I don't know if I go for one in particular. There's and also different moods. If I'm Absolutely. like, if I'm wanting to dance mm-hmm. and get off my ass and exercise and just yeah. dance, right? I, there isn't an album because her albums are always full of ballads and dance, and so I right. would have to play do a playlist of all the my favorite dance songs. But mood wise, sometimes the Velvet Rope because. I look at her velvet rope period as she'll say she were her depression years Mm -hmm. when there were her, she was going, she was in an abusive relationship phase. And Mm -hmm. I actually love the last album she did. It's actually one of my favorites. It's the unbreakable. It's the last full album she's did in 2015 I think it's one of the best albums she's ever done. And so I think that might be my first pick. But also the Janet album, Mm -hmm. like the third of the more famous albums. I love the Janet album, like with If, and That's the Way Love Goes, Mm because it's a cool vibe. And uh, I do go back to the Discipline album because that's the first concert I saw of hers. 
So I think that's probably why I go back to that one, not necessarily because it's my favorite album. Yeah, um, my first Bruce show was The Rising and in 2002. And so there will always be a special place in my heart, not only because of 9-11 and everything, but because of that, you that was the first show that I saw live. And, and so yeah. there's a connection to that. I want to just spend a couple of minutes. How did you, your former day gig, you ended up being in the creative arts. Talk to me how that happened, Diane. I'm like, which of my many careers are you talking yes. about? Because I've had many. Yes, which I, I love. Now I look at it back at it and say my purpose for all the journey has been the same. It's been my love of arts and entertainment. And when I was a kid, how I said, I'm way too shy to be a performer, an artist, but I was so attracted to performers, musicians, and mostly musicians, but also actors, movies. I just wanted to be a part of it. And so I guess another fan moment was in high school when they're like, you got to pick your career. And my counselor only cared about the smart university people. So you could be a secretary or something like mm -hmm. really boring. Yeah. And I was like, there has to be something better for me. And so I took my Pat Benatar tour book from seeing her in concert. I looked at the back at all the credits. I was like, it, that was my desperate attempt to find a career to be in that world. And I saw a photographer. So I became a photographer. <laughs> it wasn't a love of photography. It was like, I like photography. I can do that. I'll do that. But again, I did obviously get into photography and loved it. But it was always that purpose of that's my way to get to be around performers. And so when I was doing photography, my fun gigs were the ones where I get to take photos of musicians and actors and performers. Mm -hmm. Then I transitioned into being a makeup artist. And then as a makeup artist, I was definitely more in the fashion world. Mm -hmm. But on my free time, I was on music video shoots and photo shoots with bands and artists. And I did some music journalism. I was like, maybe that's my thing. And then when I was, and I, as a multi-passionate, I get bored. So that's another reason for the changing all the time. So when makeup was boring me and I was like, well, now what's my next move? And I just looked back at photography, makeup, journalism. Obviously I want to be in the music industry. <laughs> so I went to school for entertainment management and I became a music publicist. And then it was finally, I not only get to be around these musicians and performers, but I'm part of the success of these musicians and performers. And I worked a lot of indies, but I did get to work with celebrities too. And sometimes I felt like a little fly on the wall. Am I supposed to be here? But got to amazing experiences working with musicians and actors throughout the years and then when I started getting bored, of that's when I transitioned to coaching. Again, all of it was because I wanted to help musicians and performers not quit and really chase their dreams and make their creations and make their impact on the world. And if I had skills that I could help them do, that's my mission in life. That's my purpose in life. So when publicity industry changed a lot, it was harder and harder to get press for more up-and-coming artists and it was because they didn't have what you need which means you need to figure out who you are you need to share your vulnerability as an artist I always say if you think about who you are a fan of you probably love them for more than just their music yeah <laughs> you love sure you might love the way they dress. You love the way they talk. You like their personality. Yeah. You relate to their lyrics and their story and everything about them. And so through my coaching, I can help artists explore who they really are and share their stories, share those stories that are going to make a connection with a fan and turn them into a super fan. Because that's what you talk about on this show is super fans. 
yeah. not the casual fan. And for artists, I just help them figure out what it is about them that people will make that transition from being a casual listener to a super fan. Diane, do you think it's because they just haven't been able to articulate? I just was in a forum for podcast hosts and someone used the CTA and I had no idea what that was. So I asked what's CTA and they said, call to action. What does you, what do you want your guests to be? What do you want your guests to do? And I was like, that's hard for me to say. All I want my guests to do is to have fun and tell stories. Yeah. But I do get the understanding of you. If you're a writer and you're on a podcast, you want to sell your book. If you're a musician, you want to sell your release. And so I get that call to action. Do you think, do you think that's why people need your service is that they have a hard time articulating? They know they have a need to make create music. Let's just say music yeah. for now, but they have a hard time getting that across. Yeah. Sometimes I've spent a lot of a few decades with musicians. I love them, but they drive me crazy. And, sure. <laughs> but a lot of it is because they love the music. If they could hide in a studio for the rest of their life making music, they're happy. And they fight against learning the business, learning marketing. They dismiss PR marketing because that's superficial. And a lot of it is breaking it down so that they understand. Sometimes it's tough love. Mm -hmm. Is this a hobby? Or yeah. do you want, or do you really want to make this your career? And I, it take, and I think now that I'm coaching, I've really gotten to the bottom of what it is that holds them back. Because a lot of times you're like, just do this and this, come on, this is what you got to do to get where you want to go. But then now through coaching, it's such an intimate one-on-one -on -one experience of really getting to the bottom of it and it all came comes down to fear and a lack of knowledge they might say it in a million different ways but every time the questions are asked it comes down to what's holding you back is fear they're afraid to they're afraid of failure they're afraid of success they're afraid of being exposed they're being they're afraid of being judged for their art and then there's also the lack of knowledge of i know social media is important but i don't want to do that I, again it's a, usually a fear because they don't understand yeah. it so they can avoid it and lack of knowledge about the business lack of knowledge of how how do i attract these super fans so it's important to have the super fans but how do you create them how do you cultivate them how do you figure out who they are and that's what i help artists do is to figure out what parts of their story could other people connect to how do you showcase and like sometimes when they want to dismiss branding because they think of, again, they think the old school music industry where the label would come on and put a brand on you. And this is what you're going to wear. This is what you're going to dress. This is what you're going to say. But it's not like that anymore. There still might be some out there. But sure. now it's all about authenticity. So you, in order to attract those super fans, you have to. Yes, back in the day, Prince could not say a word and be mysterious. And we all got drawn into that. But these days, even I have to be a public figure now, right? To get where yeah. I want to go. I don't want to be doing social media either. But if it's what I got to do to get where I want to go, suck it up. And that's why it's, I. it all comes down to figuring out what it is you really want and why do you want it. The rest comes easy after that. I could see you having the conversation with your client. What do you want? Do you want to be beloved by a small group of people? And that's a different marketing plan. Do you want to sell millions of albums? What is success for you? And then yeah. let's work together to get it. 
Because I think a lot, especially musicians, I don't know how young mm -hmm. musicians still think this. Yeah. Because the industry's changed so much, but yeah. oh, so many of them are still waiting to be discovered. Yeah. <laughs> That's and that just, no. Good luck with that. Yeah. You know? And then I get the excuses of, oh, I don't want to do social media. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do well, Again, hobby or career. Yeah. And then if it's career, okay, why? Mm -hmm. And that's always the most powerful session with people is figuring out your why, because it does come down to a lot of times those childhood moments and, or a bigger purpose. Yeah. You love music. That's like, for me, it's, I don't do what I do just because I love music. Yeah. I, I do it because it's affected my life. It's changed yes. my life. It's, I need you to create. So I, I know the yeah. importance of it. That's my purpose. And so I need the musicians or artists that I work with to really get clear on what you want, but why do you want it? Yeah. And what do you want to say? what is your message behind what you do? And it all comes down to, that's why you have to do the deep inner work of what are your core values? What do you stand for? Cause those are the things that people are going to really connect with you on and become yeah. a super fan. And, and I love that, right? There is nothing wrong. Somebody wanting to find a local pub and a couple of nights a week, sit there and play songs for people that just enjoy. And that's yeah. a hobby. And you know yeah. what? You might even make a few bucks at it. Yeah. But do you have something to say? And what are you trying to say? I, I think that's beautiful. And I think that's not just for artists. I think all of us yeah. to do that, whether you're a podcaster, a writer, a painter, a business person, what are we trying to accomplish? Yeah. You know, what the idea of if I just want to make a whole, the owner of my company once said, it's easy to make money. There's a lot of ways to make money. You have to know why. Yeah. And the, he believes the only way you, the only reason you own a business, is you want to help people. Yeah. You want to help people with your service and you want to help the people working for you, for them to have a better life. And yeah. I think why is a great question. I absolutely love this. I also um, know I have, I did talk to a potential client that was so not a potential client Yeah. because if you don't feel that, then I'm not the person to work with you. And I guess I'm looking for those artists that have a deeper meaning because there are some artists that'd be like, I, I love music. I want you to love my music. That's as deep as it goes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're not ready to work with me or you're, we're, it's not a match. Yeah. This is not. Yeah. If someone wants to reach you to talk about this, if they want to promote or want to hear more about your services, what's the best way, Diane? So I do have a freebie. And I think even though it's for, it's called the Super Fat Attraction Method, and it's personal branding for multi-passionate artists, creatives, musicians, actors, but it, it really anyone, like it's the same advice I take myself on how to present yourself. And it's three phases of personal branding, but it starts with that. The first phase is tap into unstoppable motivation. It's figuring out your vision. What do you want? Why do you want it? What are your core values? What's your purpose? What's your personality? What do we got to work with? And then the next phase is, okay, let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the stories that you're going to tell that are going to connect with people. What are you going to... What is your image? What are you going to dress like? What is, and why? And what is your branding? What is your brand voice? And then also, once you have that, then the third phase is cultivating your edge. What makes you unique? If two musicians, I like the song equally, but one of them tells me a little bit more about themselves. They tell me a story. I really like the way they look. And the story, the whole vibe I connect with, I'm going to become a super fan of that. And that's the same thing. If you're looking for a coach or an, if you're looking for an accountant, what's going to make you choose one accountant over another? It's developing your stories, developing your style, your vibe. And 
I I do know a bookkeeper accountant, and he's going through some similar programs as me, and he's the bow tie wearing <laughs> bookkeeper. He's got an image. He's got a personal brand, and so no matter what you do in life, personal branding is the key to really making connections with people, to want them in your world, to want to pick you over the next person. The free playbook and there's a little mini course too dianefoy.com slash freebie but yeah dianefoy.com is where you find me where you can get all my social media links if you wherever you are online i'm there <laughs> okay yeah all right yeah i will include all that in the show notes this has been a lot of fun i i have loved meeting you and i love your story and i love your passion for janet I think this is great. And and I'm so glad that she's been there as a companion to your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's amazing. great. It's magical. It's why we do what we do. It really is. Yeah. Is there something I should have asked you that I haven't, Diane? Oh, well, I've recently spent a lot of money on Janet. Okay. My, my, my Janet obsession is getting expensive, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I know you Bruce fans spend an insane yes. amount of money on tickets. Yes. Are you guys equally as insane with the money on everything else? Do you buy memorabilia? Do you buy all that other stuff? Because, yeah, uh, I, of course, you. it's one thing to buy the ticket. But then at the concert, she, it's this t- coffee table book and t-shirt and it was like so i spent over 300 bucks there and then she had a tour book and the coffee table book <laughs> i was like you can't at the concert i'm like i'm already spending over 300 dollars just on the merch table do i need both no say no no i've already ordered it from her website because i can't not have it along with a bracelet and then there was a janet jackson auction the first auction, I didn't get anything because everything went way too expensive. I couldn't justify it. But there was another auction just actually a few days before the concert. And I actually got something. So I spent a lot of money on a pair of earrings that were Janet's. So, yeah. Good I for spent, you. Spent a lot of money on Janet lately. <laughs> Good for you. But uh, you gotta have it. You gotta have it. It makes uh, you happy. It does make you happy. And that is awesome. It makes you happy. All right. So dianefoy.com. I will include the link in the show notes. Before we get out of here, though, I end every podcast with a Mary question. For those of you who are listening for the first time, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher who is now retired. But when he was teaching, he would give his class the song Thunder Road. They would read the lyrics, they would listen to it, and then they would go through the imagery Bruce uses, the phrases and the themes Bruce explored. And then at the end of the day, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? Diane, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I'm an optimist, so I think, yeah, why not? I love it. <laughs> That's a great answer. Um Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I'm so glad we got a chance to visit. I, I look forward to it. Uh, I'm going to check out the freebies. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look. I, I, I could always use some help in making myself uh, uh, sell myself better. If and you so, take away one little thing, it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, guys, go to the website. Check it out. Tell her that Set Lusting Bruce sent it. Uh, but for now, let's everyone be kind. Let's be safe. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. 
My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.